0: delivering all the news the informed views and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003 powered by the racetalk.com this is on the grid hello
1: everybody and welcome to the on the grid podcast for another week richard crow with you filling in for tony Shabeki, and we'll explain why that is a little bit later on it's a little different this week we look ahead to the liquor molly 12 hour one of the best races on the australian motor racing calendar we're going to talk to craig baird who is the serious driver standards advisor for supercars but has also been instrumental in retooling the 12 hour this year and later in the show craig lounds one of the all-time legends of australian motorsport a great bloke a great chat and this year racing for a great cause Just to let you know, we did have a few little audio issues at the start of the Craig Baird interview, but if you can persist through that, tune it out in the back of your mind. It's a brilliant chat. And then that's followed by Lounsey and then Mark Walker and myself talking about all of the goings on in motorsport this week. Hope you enjoy the program. Let's get straight into it. Here's Craig Baird.
0: Powered by the racetalk.com. This is... Is on the grid.
1: All right. Well, this weekend it is my favourite race on the Australian motorsport calendar. Uh, my fifteenth, believe it or not. Not that I'm counting. Uh, Mark Walker is on the show with us. Mark the Liqui Moly
2: Bathurst 12 Hour. It's one of those special motor races, isn't it? It is. And if this is post-pandemic life where we're rolling up to Bathurst and have a race meeting every month, then uh, <laughs> it's been worth the wait, hasn't it? I am on board with that. It's sensational.
1: And to tell us a little bit more is a man who will be helping call the shots in race control this weekend, but will, has also played a big role in piecing what is a revised, revamped and reinvigorated Liquid Molly Bathurst 12-hour together. I'm talking, of course, about the driver's standards chief for supercars, Craig Baird, and a man who's uh, won the 12-hour in the past. baird you know, mate. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. No, it's a massive week for you. Um, First things first, you've played a role in, I suppose, retooling this race for the unique circumstances in which we find ourselves in 2022. For those that might not be aware, just talk a little bit about your involvement in the lead up to the 12-hour and and how you've sort of played a role in building this event for this year.
3: Yeah, I suppose byproduct of COVID, really, we... uh... We we got to the February date, or we're looking at the February date, and it was was difficult with the internet. It was just impossible, not only transportation, um, freight-wise, but to get those numbers of, of cars on on boats, etc. Really difficult. So we reevaluate how we could really put the race on. The first thing was to to move the date, which I guess is not ideal, but that was something we had to do to to revamp the race, really, and and work out what the customer was. And the customer, um, when you don't have the owner as far as the cars go, we certainly have that as drivers now with the borders open. But it was just a difficult situation where we had to think, how do we get cars on the grid? The customer base is the local GT competitor. Um, and, look, it's the Shane Van Gisbergens of the world and the Mauro Ingalls of the world. They're not car owners. They're not putting cars on the grid. So we had to really turn it around and say, hey, is it a pro, pro, pro factory style race? No, it's not. We can't get the factory cars here. So it really came down to turning it into a more pro-am style, which is Australian GT. That's the customer base. So then you have to pull a rule book apart, I suppose, and go, how does that work for them? How do we make the am component important? They're the integral part of the race now. Um, so we had a lot of think tanks, a lot of meetings, not only with GT, SRO, internationally, drivers, all sorts. And we, we, we came up with a, with a plan that I think will work. Um, it's still disappointing. We, we, we have cars in New Zealand that desperately tr- tried to get here, um, but the freight component is just impossible. So, look, the field's not as big as what we're used to, but as you and I have spoken before, Richard, that it's about the race and it's about having five of the best GT drivers in the world, that's including our current supercar drivers, in absolutely the best equipment in the world, racing for what's known as one of the best GT races in the world.
1: Just before we bring Mark in, um, you mentioned the collaboration that's gone into this, and one of the things, and I've been fortunate enough to to sit in in some of these meetings, but one of the things that's probably impressed me the most is the willingness from everyone to collaborate to get a race in, from Supercars, who are the promoter, from the Bathurst Regional Council, who co-own it, to ARG, who own and run GT World Challenge Australia, and to SRO, who are the international component. Everyone went yeah do you know what like 2022 is better off with a 12 hour even if it's different rather than not having it all so that that struck me as being something that stood out through all of this because as you know the motorsport world sometimes is not known for its ability to collaborate and everyone getting along
3: no exactly and to be honest you would normally say that was really would be really difficult Mm. but i think the word is bathurst there's a 12 hour race it's been a fantastic race for, for many years now. No one wanted to lose it and I guess everyone from all of those components that you spoke about put a hand on the rope and the difference was we were all pulling in the same direction. So we've managed to keep a great group of sponsors from Liqui Moly that have been extremely supportive of the race. Um, you know, to Pirelli, you, you you put Pirelli's cap on, you feel for them because they've structured for a, for a component that's 60 or a, a grid that's 60 cars, you know, or could be 40 to 60 cars, and we've, we're going to end up with, say, 20 to 25 cars. So even that's a difficult situation for a sponsor, but just everyone, as I say, been pulling in the same direction, and, you know, I, th- I, th- I think we're going to be on for a, for a great weekend of motorsport.
2: There's been a fair bit said in the lead-up to the race about what moving the race to May means on race day because, you know, you're starting at 5.15, pretty early start, and the sun doesn't rise until a quarter to seven, so there's going to be a lot more night running. You've got the Friday night uh, night practice, so to speak, and then you've also got the weather. You know, we saw at the six-hour that fog was a major problem in the mornings, but uh, fingers crossed that isn't an issue this weekend.
3: Yeah, look, fingers crossed. We've just got to hope that, uh, you know, the fog things don't come into play. But look, I've been at Nerva with a flag, like the race fog. You, you know, you Mother Nature can't help sometimes. But look, you know, when you talk about all parties coming in, um, you know, Nathan Prendergast from Supercars TV, you know, even thinking about when we start the race, when we finish it. You don't really want to finish an endurance race at night in the dark, because all all you really see sometimes is is headlights. It's mm. it's a difficult scenario. So they were really flexible and worked well with us. Look, it's been an amazing group of people that have worked very hard and had the flexibility to make things work. But I guess if you if if you talk about that too, it's not only that; it's the it's the competitor. Um, there's a lot of guys in Australia investing a lot of money. The cars are extremely expensive. You know, if you actually go to buy a, a brand new GT car, it's a $800,000 to a million dollar project. Um, and that's, I guess that's why we've, when we talk pro-am uh, in the past, if I had to be a realist, if, if I was the pro in the car, you, you kind of use that guy up without sounding cruel, but you try and, Get rid of their drive time. You try and make them double stint. You don't want them anywhere near qualifying. And we've really turned that around. We want them to. We, we want them to be a part of qualifying. So we've made the AM component and the Pro component and aggregate of qualifying. We've said to them, they don't want to double stint. It's hard to double stint at Bathurst in any car on any day. Um, so we said, look, no. Double stints for the amps. Let them enjoy it. Let them do their hour to hour twenty. Get out, have a rest, put the pro back in. Um, don't use them up in the morning. So no, you know you, you, you want your best your best hand put forward um, at the end of the day. So we said no. They've got to drive in the in the afternoon as well. So really spread that out. So probably, and this sounds very strange in motor racing the most important part of that race will be the AM driver. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's having that combination. Um, a, they're 9 out of 10 are paying the bills, and you don't want them used up. It's their form of golf. They're not doing it to try and get a Formula 1 drive or be Shane Van Gisbergen. Mm. We need them to enjoy it, and this is their shot at actually walking away with a very big trophy within the, the Australian motorsport industry, yeah. So um, yeah, we've, there's, there's been a lot of, as I say, deep think tanks to make this happen, and you've been involved in that, Richard, and you've you know we've we've weighed up a lot of different scenarios, and I think the scenario we've come up with is is as good as we can get. Um, but when you look at the driver list in there. We got the best worldwide and best drivers in Australia.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's elite level from both the internationals that are coming and guys like Marrow Engel, your former teammate coming back, and Kelvin van der Linde, Daniel Junkadella making an appearance, Marcus Winkelhock. who has been there before, and then you know any entry list with you know Lounds, Van Gisberg, and. Uh, cam waters dave reynolds it's it's outstanding but your, your point on the ams is, is bang on and someone said to me the other day oh you know van gisbergen's you know looking really good to win another bathurst race i said yeah but the race won't be decided in all likelihood by what shane does and and i'm picking on triple eight here but it's about what prince jeffrey does in that car as the am and it's about what Yasushi Hin does in one of the valvoline audis and Tony Bates in the car that he's sharing with um, Cam Waters and David Reynolds. So as driver standards chief with that cap on, how do you manage that? Because the focus is on the AM driver and they're going to have to drive in the morning at night. They're going to have to drive in qualifying as well and contribute to the grid position of the car, or at least making the shootout. So how do you manage that? What do you say to them when you sit them all down in driver's briefing?
3: Well, it'll be a pretty tough driver's briefing. I can promise you that. Um, When you've got three pros and you've got a pro class and pro only, they're making hay while the sun is shining no matter what, no matter who they're racing against, whether it's the other pro, whether it's the AM. So they're push, push, push. It's a 12-hour sprint race. We know that. We've really got to look after the AM driver. That's that's the component we're trying to look after. And I think the pro has to have that respect because they know from – hour nine to the end of the race that's going to be the the gloves off pro on pro um so with a bit of luck they listen and uh we'll, we'll work it from there i suppose
2: in in your world obviously barb gallo won or the other week there was a fair bit of controversy but everything that you've said in the press makes sense it all adds up but uh there are a few calls to be made there which how does that all sort of pan out from your perspective
3: look at the end of the day um People will always throw stones at the refs. There's no no doubt about that. And I'm no different when I watch my favourite rugby team. There's there's things that go on that you see from sitting on your couch at home. But um, if I spoke to Ken Waters after it. And I, I think he was really good about it. He said, at the time, the red mist is out, the horns are out of the helmet, and you're just taking the lead uh, for a supercar race. So you sort of press on. But in, in real terms... Um, I I think looking back at it, as he said, we, we didn't use the option of the redress. Now, the redress is something that, uh, that's their playbook, not mine. Mm. Um, I can't say, look, take a guy from third and put him back into seventh, and, but it just creates absolute mayhem. So we always put that on the drivers uh, look, and teams one-on-one. If no one else is involved and you think you've – Done something, and it, it, it might be a little outside the rules, which which you know he was definitely had a had a lasting advantage from being eleven meters off track. So he could have come back on and maybe given Will that position back, and and it's pretty simple, really. At the end of the day, he all he had to do was um, fight on for the next nineteen laps if if he had just regressed it. But we can't have the new OK being. Um, you're 11 meters off track. We don't have a track license to race on the old pit lane. It's just not a <laughs> program. Yeah. Uh, yes, other people used it, but what they didn't understand, and I think this is what got people's backs up, was they have an allocation they can use that and, and different tracks with curb strikes, Gold Coast, SMP, et cetera. We have an allocated number that they're allowed, their tolerance they're allowed to use. Then they'll get a bad sportsmanship flag. Then they use up to a point where we go, "Hey, you've gone over our number, stipulated number," and they, you know, a penalty may apply. In that case, he used it for a lasting advantage, not a late lock-up and rent-wide. So it was a different scenario. People just saw at home saw people using that bit of road. I understand that, but he used a bit of a road for a uh, lasting advantage and. You know, the track has a license for a for a reason, and that's that safety. It gets signed off. There's corner speeds, there's impact zones, and you know, the last guy that actually went out there was Jeff Emery in a GT car, and and couldn't return, and yeah. he ended up lifted back, as we all know, with a broken back to Melbourne. So, race control is always accountable. Look, we used to wear the leather ha- helmets too, but <laughs> times change. Uh, people are accountable and sometimes i have to use a rule book to, I, look i don't make the rule book i'm handed a rule book from whether that's part Motorsport australia part supercars as a combination and part the fia mm. so those are the guidelines they ask me to to make the boys play in i'd love to go through every race with no penalty i'm an old racer and i'd you know there's a lot of stuff i would like to let the boys away with but there's a rule book and 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 they've Yeah, if I put Cam and in the shell car at that moment, he would have been screaming blue murder. So, Mm. what it is, mate? um, And the 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 social media thing, Chaz was very supportive about it. It wasn't so much that I was I was ended up um, not the first time, but I ended up with you know direct messages to my phone, um, which included family and bits and pieces then that starts to dig a bit deeper and the few of the boys were talking and Chaz took that upon himself to go hey Mm. Beardo's a pretty good bloke he he plays this stuff with a straight bat we we don't want him to walk away he's i'm we all do jobs differently and there's been a lot in the past some too hard some not hard enough so it's a real balance and look to sum it up mate you you know better than anyone um no no one likes a ref that blows the whistle too much. And but then I, I get shouted at if I don't blow the whistle and I get shouted at if I do blow the whistle. So yeah, you can't win. Prick of a job if I'd sum it up. But um look, I'm I'm fortunate where I'm still involved in motorsport. I started when I was, you know, five years old racing go-karts. I, I won twenty championships. Some people will call me a wanker, but you don't do that without sort of knowing the business, I suppose, and send a thief to catch a thief.
1: Hey, mate, and uh, well answered, by the way. Uh, last one, back in the day when you were a racing car driver and not the official, um, what's your favourite 12-hour memory? Pro- probably the GT era because you-, you won it with Holti with in-, in the BMW, but what about the GT era? The the drive that stands out for me was you and Matt Griffin hauling that Clearwater Ferrari back from a couple of laps down and you dragged it, I think with a broken front splitter between the two of you back into contention. Does does that stand out as a, a twelve hour memory for you or the, the dramas at the end of 17? What what sort of just quickly springs to mind from the, the GT area from when you I've were behind the wheel?
3: Got a couple. I've got a couple and one of them was actually with Tony Quinn and the VIP yes. um, um we had a limited Oh, sorry, we had an allocated uh, pit stop amount, which was 11 if you had a current, you know, new car, new spec car. You had 11 if you had an older one. Uh, you had 10. So me being the cheeky little bugger I am, I just said to Quinny, I, you know, we'll, we'll pull out of the second row of the grid on this thing and we'll start from pit lane. We'll run it through the pit lane and we'll do a a, a, a 10 second pit stop. They weren't timed pit stops. So we did that from, uh, and that ticked one off. So we were yeah. back on playing field so we were one stop up from the factory audis that that was one and by the end of that stint with all the safety cars and bits and pieces i passed lounges and the wet for the for, for the lead so that 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 was a pretty pretty good tick but the matt griffin thing was always fun running with with wang and to be fair the the ferrari was always a pretty sketchy car so mm. we on the ford wang had knocked the front splitter off the thing and it would, was raining, and everyone was feeling sorry for me in the pit because I didn't have a front splitter on it. But it, it made the thing a little bit understeer across the top. <laughs> it actually made it a bit of a safer car, and it it, it worked in my favour. And in, in, in fairness, um, the other one that springs to mind is uh, when you talk about lack of communication with with teams and drivers and engineers and. Um, someone that doesn't speak a lot of English I kept saying I was was running behind Lowndes and he was in the Ferrari and uh, I was with uh, Maro and Shane um, and it was my turn running second and there was a safety car restart and I I know the supercars rule and it's very simple you can overlap from the from the middle of the last corner the apex of the last corner and I about three times coming down the straight. I said, are you sure it's the last corner or is it when it goes green? And the German engineer kept saying, no, when it goes green, you can overlap. So I thought this is my chance to outbox lounge, the only time in my life. <laughs> so I started overlapping on the exit of the chase and I could see his little hands going up going, what the hell are you doing, Beto? But anyway, I'd been told three times that I could overlap from there, which was completely wrong. And so when he turned in, I ushered him to the gravel trap um, and that was a drive through for me. So, um, you, you're always learning, mate. You're always trying, always trying to outplay the playbook, but, um, things happen.
1: Oh, I love it. Good memories. Uh, are you a espresso shot before the start of a 12 hour race, especially at 5.15 AM? Did do you, do you fire a bit of coffee into the system?
3: Mate, I definitely do. I'm a coffee fan, but it's not one shot, mate. There'll be a lot more. <laughs>
1: Likewise. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, great insight both into the race and, and Wanneroo last weekend as well. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on the mountain, mate. Hopefully we have a, a clean race. And um, James Taylor, the race director, will be banging on about 322 because that's the number of laps we need to get 2,000 Ks in a day. So uh, I think that'll be in the back of people's minds, see if we can keep it clean and uh, knock off a bit of a, a distance record in the 12-hour this year.
3: Cheers, guys. Take care.
1: There's Craig Bear joining us on the grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on the grid. You're listening to the On The Grid podcast. Uh, Crail and Walker with you this week and uh, Tony Shebeki away. And we're not making this up because he's currently at a amateur football league tribunal trying to get one of his players off a – 15 week suspension, I think, or something, Mark. So, um, imagine uh, Tony <laughs> Shabeki as a defense attorney.
2: Well, I mean, he'd have to get off, wouldn't he? Yeah, surely. I, I kind of wish his players weren't so dirty. I mean, yeah,
1: that's, that's two in three weeks. But um, when it starts affecting the podcast, it's a worry. Hopefully, this man won't be seeing the tribunal this weekend because we have actually just talked to the driver standards chief uh, of the 12 hour and Craig Bear. But we're delighted to say that uh, this man's back on track. He's a two time winner. Of the twelve, Aaron, he's won the one thousand a million times as well. Craig Lowndes is on the show. Hello, CL. Hello, guys. How are you? Super. Thanks for asking. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Um, cool thing for you this weekend. Bit of a, a late minute addition to the grid, but for a really, really good cause.
0: Well, it is. It was something that's come together really quickly. To be honest, there's been a lot of people behind the scenes doing a lot of work really fast. Uh, prostate cancer is is what we're going to be running on. The car the Porsche uh, 911 over the course of uh, the weekend and and it's I think it's the first time and you guys might be able to correct me this but it's the first time that I think we've seen a car run as a charity car no sponsors nothing else but just purely for charity and and to get the awareness out there and have and for four good friends drivers have some fun
2: you got some good drivers though
0: backing you up there I mean obviously Alex Davis and
2: he's a bit of a gun at these Porsche capers, so uh yeah, you know, I think you guys
0: are a sly sort of dark horse in this. <laughs> well, yeah, we might be. I think that there's no doubt that uh, between the four of us, we've got some great history and everything else. You know, we, we're not outright in a sense of car pace, but you know, if we can circulate, and our, our whole mission this weekend is to finish the race, get the awareness out there and have a lot of fun along the way. So if we can finish the race and we know the attrition of this event, we could quite easily be in, in the top 10. And that's something that we're, that's, that's my aim. I'm not putting putting pressure on the others, but uh, if we can circulate and keep out of trouble, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen.
1: So yourself, uh, Alex Davison, as Mark mentioned, Jeff Emery, who was a narrow runner up in Pro-Am in Carrera Cup last year. And you, you two raced each other in that championship and Scott Taylor as well. Now, Scott doesn't like the limelight. He doesn't like being talked about, but it's his car. And we should mention that he's, been quite fundamental in in putting this all together. We can talk about him because he's not here.
0: Yeah, we can talk about him. Yeah, Scotty's been great. He obviously you know he's been a good friend over the number of years, and actually um, you know we've raced a couple of these GT3 Mercedes cars in, in um, previous times. So yeah, he, he's fantastic. He loves motor racing, as you mentioned. He doesn't like the accolades, but he, he's so fundamental behind the scenes of getting this all up and running. And it was his sort of brainchild. Uh, when he rang Lara and basically said, look, this is my idea. What do you think? And then when Lara told me and we both said, yep, we've got to get on this. And and then for Prostate Cancer Foundation, uh, also like they've been really quick and swift about how they've been going about it. And and again, you know, between uh, those guys and their team and Lara and everyone else, as I said, it's come together in about a week and a half time. So it's been pretty frantic behind the scenes.
2: Now, you've started the 12-hour before, but you've never had an hour and a half first stint in darkness. I mean,
0: would you put your hand up? Do you like driving in the dark? That's a bit of a change for this year. Yeah, I do love it. Uh, you're great. Like, I do love driving in the dark, and I think there's no doubt that uh, I think between Alex and I, we might be taking the first stint or a couple of stints. Looking at the long-range forecast, it also looks like it's going to be a bit of a rain band going through it. So, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. At, but I do. I remember when we did Spa 24-hour, I actually did majority of the night racing because the other three drivers weren't really that comfortable in the car at that those conditions. And I loved it. I think it was fantastic. So, yeah, normally uh, last time I've, I I uh, was part of the 12-hour, the I think it was only night time for about half an hour, 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden, the sun come up over the Blue Mountains and, and away we went.
1: Hey, 12-hour memories, mate. You won it twice, as I touched on, both times in a Ferrari, ironically, but... 2014. That your victory in that race was fundamental to the race gaining momentum. It was it was the first time we'd had the traditional Bathurst showdown finish. Um, it was arguably Australia's biggest name against the current GT world champion. Um, do you have fond memories of that battle in particular?
0: I do, and I think that you, you, you're completely right in the sense that we chose not to do a pad change, which gave us the the sort of the gap and the lead. And then, of course, the late safety car then it all bunched us back up. And, and I just drove the Ferrari like as hard as I could, as fast as I could. And I think track knowledge served me well. He tried to go around the outside at turn two. And we've seen in the past that that doesn't work. And then that gave me another gap. But then I got caught in traffic with yeah. a couple of laps to go across the top of the mountain. And then it was on. Um, I think the, the beauty about the Ferrari at that point was that it was, it was quick across the top of the mountain, which is where we have to really use our strength but uh you know to finish the race the way we did and uh, maxi was good you know we got out of the car and uh we shook hands you know he laughed uh and and i think experience at that point counted yeah that's cool craig but what you did was out craig lansy (laughs) <laughs> it
2: was like that getting that drive out of forest elbow on that last lap when he had all the brakes and was going to monster you into the chase but you <laughs> nailed that forest elbow and that's one of the things here at Bathurst you've got guys who've got the knowledge of the cars who this is their bread and butter back home but they turn up to Bathurst and they got people like a Shane Van Gisberg and a Craig Lowndes who know the track better than anyone so it's a really good sort of meeting point
0: in the middle it's a good evener. I think there's no doubt that our track knowledge and the years that we've been there has been uh, served us well. Uh, but you've also got to remember that these current cars, the GT3s, are all left-hand drives. So your muscle memory of where you would normally position a car, you've got to get out of your head. So in some regards, it, 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 you know, the track knowledge is good, but then you've just got to get out of that sort of supercar mode and not try to rub it up against the wall going under the tree because you're going to wipe out half of the car. Um, but then the flow across the top of the mountain, you know, it, this is like, I remember, you know, driving with like Salo and those guys, like the incredible entry speed that they can create because they know the car so well. Uh, but again, you know, our track knowledge is really good. and We, we know how it's going to evolve over the day. And again, the, the, you know, between the four drivers this weekend, um, the whole purpose is get the awareness out there, have some fun and finish the race.
1: It's a great cause. It really is, and we love it. And it's it's going to be good. We'll be following it over the course of the broadcast, I think, and checking in regularly and and seeing how that fundraising's going. From a, a racing point of view, of course, you've got Bathurst later in the year, the one thousand. Does this tick a box for some seat time for you as well?
0: Oh, absolutely. Anytime you can get some laps around Bathurst, it, it, it definitely ticks boxes, and I think that. Uh... Uh, for me, you know, my last memory being there was actually in this style of car mm. last year. So that that for me is is going to be quite easy to get up the speed and that side of it. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I think the addition of having ABS back in the car, uh, Ashley would has, has um, prepped the car. He's put it back to what it was uh, in in sort of a couple of years ago in the Porsche Cup. So you know, we've got some little a few more aids that we didn't have when we raced there last year. So I'm I'm really looking forward to. It getting up there and between Alex and I and, and Jeff and Scotty, that we can have some fun. And, and as I said, get the awareness out there.
2: Just, just between myself and Richard, uh, who are you driving with at the 1000? <laughs> Good question. I
0: still, have, I still don't know.
1: I'll just pause the recording. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: actually, I don't know. So that, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, that'll come out hopefully very soon because um, you know, it'll be nice to be able to get it out there.
1: I think you've still got a couple more years left, mate, where you can go for that. Just equal, Brock. I think nine's a nice number, right? Although you're there already, basically with two twelve hours and a, a one thousand. So really, you need one more because he won ten with the twenty four hour, right? So I was I was
0: going to correct you on that. Yeah, he, he got mm. a, he got one of them as well. So yeah, so I'm still one behind.
1: Hey, um, the statute of limitations has expired from 2011. Um, should you have passed the German Audi and won that race? <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> good answer <laughs> it was one of those moments where you sort of got told over the radio which you never want to know is like you know you hold your position and then I, I, that gave me the, the I suppose the, the, the carrot to, to at least close the gap down and, and, and to show that we had the pace to win um, so yeah that was a little bit disappointing but uh, it did look at the end of the day we were there under their uh, umbrella and their team and uh, we had to sort of yeah yield
2: is, is there anything else on the racing horizon this year? Or any overseas stuff? I mean, we're starting to possibly get uh, the international stuff happening again, I guess.
0: Uh, not for this year, but as you mentioned, it's it, yeah, definitely opening. I'm a little bit jealous um, knowing that SVG is going to go back to Le Mans and, uh, and contest in that side of it. So I'm, I'm a little bit jealous in that. But insane that, like this year has really been Uh, you know doors are opening again conversations are happening so yeah look look forward to next year and and really trying to get more of a established sort of um, calendar going again
1: it would be remiss of us to not get your thoughts on the current supercar season while we've got you um, how does anybody beat Shane Uh, and do we just give him the championship now and talk up the battle for second place
0: Um, yeah look he's hard to beat at the moment but we have seen some flaws in his driving like we saw at the AGP that where he gets put under pressure, he can make a mistake. So I think that the, the drivers have just got to realize that he's, he, he's not unbeatable. He can actually be beaten. So they, they're the one things that, you know, uh, Chaz Mosses, Cam Waters, you know, we saw that. Even Will Davison, um, DJR guys, like they've got the pace to be able to do it at any given weekend. It's just a matter of putting it all together. So um, come Winton, uh, hopefully that's, uh, you know, like even a Brad Jones guys go really well there. Tim Slade won races, um, so it's not over yet, but like they've, they've sort of made it hard for themselves by allowing Shane to dominate the way he's done, and, and we've talked about this in TV commentary, just how he outsmarts them on the road. Uh, you know, the switchback a couple of times through the AGP, the Melbourne Grand Prix, where he's just set them up three corners prior to his pass, and and even uh, Mark Scaife, myself, Garth, we've all sit there and we go, we need some mungle back in this category. We need the John Bowes back. We need the Larry Perkins back. So, we, you know, anyone that's watching, like, get some mungle back in you. <laughs> uh,
2: on the whole Triple Eight thing, obviously, Brock Fanny. he's been chucked in the deep end, but so far he's been swimming pretty well. He's uh, he's really held his own. He's up in the top 10 of the points and he's been on the podium already, which I think is way ahead of schedule.
0: Uh Yeah, he has. But you also got to remember the car that he's in and the team that he's got around him. He... Yeah. he uh, would be expecting to be, you know, well within the top 10. Uh, he's doing that. He had a crash um, over, you know, the, the beginning of the Melbourne Grand Prix and he mount, mount, bounced back from that, which is, again, which shows his character. Um, so there's, there's a lot of good signs there. But, you know, you also got to remember, as I said, you know, he's in a good car, good team, good backing. Um, he's just got to keep a level head, learn from Shane and and, and keep building from that.
1: Uh, Let's just circle back around to this weekend, mate, and and the reason for this whole campaign. And it's not just a a name driver jumping on board a great cause. Uh, Prostate cancer is something that's affected your family, and it's also affected Alex Davison's family. So this isn't just about you putting your name to a cause. This is a, a more personal thing as well, isn't it?
0: Uh, very much a personal thing. I think that the stats say that if you have got one family member in a family that that's gone through prostate cancer, you're twice as likely to, to contract it. Um, I've got two members, which means I'm five times. So I get I get checked every year, and I'm thankful through the motor racing, the medical uh, conditions that we need to go through, we have to get blood tests. So the PSA that you know obviously shows your level. You know, I get that checked every every 12 months and and keep and monitor that. Um, you know. Again, over 45, it starts to increase. It gets worse as you get over into your 50s and 60s. When in your 70s and 80s, you, you you know you're at that high risk. And for me, knowing now that I'm five times more likely to contract it at some point in my lifetime, uh, it's really important to get the message out there that you know we we we've, we know through the racing uh, family that you know Neil Crompton's, John Bowes, those guys have gone through it. it. It doesn't exempt us from anything. And really, this the whole point of this weekend is. To, to share the stories, but also to, to get uh, the story out there that we all need to stop putting our head in the sand as males. And Lara has always said that the female side of it need to kick us up the butt and uh, basically get us checked every 12 months for me. And it's really important. Thankfully, at the moment, as you mentioned, Alex Davison through his father, Richard Davison, has, has also gone through it. And he only found out about it through motor racing, the medical side. So again it just highlights how important it is to get out there and uh get checked and, and it's literally a, a, a blood test now so it's not like the old rubber glove job it's uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a blood test and yeah. Uh, yeah and then once you know it's in the family again just monitor, monitoring over the course of the years great stuff
1: craig and people can donate uh, the website is www.pcfau pcfau which is prostate cancer foundation australia so you can google that forward slash car triple two Uh, And there's an opportunity there for people to donate online and we will be covering it uh, extensively throughout the broadcast on Fox and seven here in Australia, international live stream across the course of the weekend. We'll chart the progress. We look forward to helping you guys raise as much money as we can. And Seal, I think a final thought we talked about this when we got the release out a couple of weeks ago that, and, and you said that the one thing we want to do is go and have fun. We want to have a great time, really enjoy it and make sure that, everyone's smiling at the end of the day. And that just strikes me as an incredibly civil way to go motor racing
0: at Mount Panorama, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it is. I, I, the, one of the things that we asked uh, Scotty Taylor when he was packing his trailer a couple of days ago was make sure you get the barbecue in because it's going to be one of those old school days of driving on track, give the car a polish, go out, have a barbecue, have, a, have uh, something to eat and, and just enjoy the weekend for what it is. And, and as I said, just have some fun. I think that uh, between the four of us, we'll definitely do that.
1: Look forward to seeing you up there, mate. Uh, your drive robbed us from having you in the commentary box with myself and Matt Nolte. So we replaced you with Garth Tander, but we're very happy to see you on the racetrack and look forward to following the progress this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. To, you've got to put up with GT for 12 hours.
1: Yeah, I, it's <laughs> I don't know how we fit in the commentary <laughs> box. It's a tall, tall bloke. Craig Lowndes joining us here on the grid. Catch him this weekend at the Liqui Moly Bathurst 12-hour.
0: You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world.
1: On the grid. You're listening to the On The Grid podcast and we've just had Craig Baird and Craig Lowndes on the show. Two awesome chats, Mark Walker. They're both ripper blokes, uh, both playing big roles in the race this weekend, but um, a worthy topic to discuss
2: with CL, who was in mighty good form, I thought. Uh, they both were. It uh, helps if your name's Craig, doesn't it? But uh, it does. it's going to be a, a very interesting weekend. I think there's a lot that will play out because it's obviously a different world. Obviously the number of entries isn't quite there. They had 34 starters the last time we had this race in 2020 feel less than that. So, I mean, what do we expect less safety cars? That's going to be a really big point that there's not going to be as much safety cars. And as we pointed out with better, it's going to be so much about the AMS. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to lose laps, cause you're not going to get them back.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. So we'll, we'll run through the field very quickly. With some of the key contenders and as you touched on the, the am drivers will dictate this race uh the the pros, is whether you're shane van gisbergen or your marcus Winkelhock or your ben barker in the grove car they're all going to be within four or five tenths of each other because yep. they're all pro drivers and that's why they're in it um the difference will be the am so for mine it's who's the strongest am and then you mix that in with who's the strongest overall pairing And the obvious combinations that stand out are the Groves, because when this was last a Pro-Am race, they won the Pro-Am class in 2020. They finished in the top 10. They were the best of the Pro-Am cars running to the same driver regs that we're running this year. The difference is that this is an outright field. Now, it is much stronger, admittedly, but they're going to be strong. The the dark horses for mine, Mark, are mm-hmm. uh, the Team BRM Audi R8 yes. with Nick Percat, Joey Morrison, and Mark Rosser. Mark is a top six or seven in GT World Challenge in the AMs in terms of pace. Mm-hmm. Nick Percat, we know. But the word that I've had from testing there is that Joey Mawson jumped into that car and went bang and was as fast as anybody in an Audi R8. So I think they're a really strong combination.
2: Yeah, that story absolutely checks out. You look at everything that he's done, and uh, yeah. that is not surprising at all. You know what? I uh, really rate what uh, Kenny hubble has got going on there. Yep, as a bit yep. of a, a bit of a dark horse. Obviously, the the craft craft bamboo Mercedes AMG as well has been uh, released just before we've gone to hit record on this one, and a pretty gun outfit there. Obviously, Mara Engels a, a gun around Bathurst. Daniel Jonkadaela is very good. Uh, it's going to come down to the AM, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't know
1: an enormous amount no. about Kevin No, He, C, seems, co- he seems competent, driver. but yeah. hasn't done a lot
2: of racing. So Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and and Bathurst, having said that, he's from Macau, and if there's any track in the world that compares to Bathurst in terms of challenge, it's the Macau street circuit. So if he goes all right around there, he might actually be okay at Mount Panorama. Your point about the uh, Sun Energy 1 team is a good one, and what they've done is gone for two AM drivers. So basically it splits the job that the AM has to do into half. So it doesn't change the amount of time that you have an AM driver in the car, but it just splits it between two of them. So the drivers are fresher, they're sharper, no double stinting. I actually really like the four driver option in this race. So I like the fact that Kenny's got Martin Conrad, who's a fast AM driver and he's got Jules Gunon who won the race in 2020 for Bentley and he's arguably the best GT3 driver in the world at the moment if you speak to the people that know and Lucas Stolls who's been there before and is a super fast pro German factory AMG ace I really like that and that then to me brings in people like the superbahn car with Dave Russell and Paul Stokel as the guns alongside the Canberra brothers James and Theo Konduras who are both very very fast so I, I like that. And then the wall racing Lambo is probably in the same boat.
2: Well, also, Kenny bull has got home track advantage, doesn't he? Because he's got a house inside the track. That helps. Yeah, he's surely.
1: Never, he's never been there.
2: <laughs> he's about to learn, isn't
1: he, he? He's never, he bought it and then COVID <laughs> happened. So he's never actually been, what is it, 505 Conrad Strait? I think he's never actually been there. And he quipped um, when we put the release out about his driver lineup, he, he was telling me that um, the dude parked his chopper there because uh. Paul Morris mentioned that in the Bathurst six-hour broadcast. I parked my, I parked my chopper at Kenny Habal's place, and Kenny said, "Yeah, he went and drunk all the beer in my fridge that I still haven't seen yet as well." So, <laughs> but you're yeah, off by now, you're, yeah. You well, want fresh beer, surely does it? Does it? Um, I, I've never been in a situation to find out. No, my beer's never never gone off. It doesn't last long enough. So, I like that. For mine, I think the outright favourite, if you had to name one, is probably Car777. Yasushi Hin's the reigning GT World Challenge Australia champion. He's probably the fastest am in the country, I think, at the moment. Ricardo Feller's never been to Bathurst, but Audi don't send slow drivers to Mount yeah. Panorama. They never have. He's a 21 year old um, Swiss ace who's been running uh, ADAC GT Masters. And uh, Marcus Winklehock, who is just a superstar. Yep. Um, only driver ever to lead his first Grand Prix having started from last position, which is just which, the best stat ever.
2: Which is just great that he keeps coming out to Bathurst and you can yeah. keep wheeling that out. Oh, I really like Triple Eight just because mm. it's got Shane Van Gisbergen in it, and Shane Van Gisbergen's just a pretty much a gimme for any victory that he wants to have. You know, Feeney's a fast learner, and Prince Jeffrey's pretty solid, mm. and it's Triple Eight. They've mm. got all the brain power you need. There is, There is still driving time juggles to have, it's not. A straightforward race this one you can't just put your drivers in whenever they want there's a lot of little nuances in the rules about the driving time for the pro drivers and the ams and how that all sort of pans out during the day like better said there's no double stints for the am drivers so hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how all of that pans out and especially if it is a long uh fast race without the safety cars um another audi i don't mind liam talbot fraser ross chas mostard yep. Yeah, you don't mind yeah. having Chas Moston in your car, do
1: you? No, you'd have that. And you guarantee that if that car makes the top 10 shootout, it's probably going to be somewhere near the front row of the grid, isn't it? But but Liam, is he is right up there from an AM driver point of view and pace. And at Phillip Island in the GT World Challenge round, he was one of the few that went with Yasser on raw speed. Uh, and Fraser's done a million laps there, won the Silver Class in 2020 in a McLaren. Good car. Um, We, we haven't talked about the other... Audi sport team Valvoline car, which is Kelvin Vanderlinde, who we all love. Yep. Um, Nathaniel Burton. Now you and I take claim for introducing Kelvin Vanderlinde to Australia's TV screens, and it's a story we've told before, but I think we need to tell it again because when he was a junior racing in the VW Shirocco cup, which is one of the greatest motor racing series no one knows about and now no longer exists. Um, he, he burst onto the scene and speed TVs final moments in Australia thanks possibly to some prompting from two idiots on the race talk, uh,
2: may well have been
1: at the Chicago cup marathon. And, featuring and Kelvin it,
2: yeah. And the, but the commentator couldn't he pronounce couldn't his name that. and it was yeah. just Calvin van der Linda Linda, Linda. Who would
1: have thought he's turned out to be one of the best GT races in the world. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Um, and speaking of home track advantage, Brad Schumacher doesn't live on Conrad straight, but he lives about 200 meters down past hell corner. So, um, he will go True. very well he's a uh, he's a fast era but as we touched on with Beto, it is a very very deep competitive field uh, will
2: brown and jack perkins driving with mark griffith how high up does an invitational class mark car finish well
1: they're running to a 206 minimum lap time yeah if if you do the whole race at 206.5 i reckon you probably end
2: up somewhere in the top 8 maybe I reckon. Because last year, they were only, well, last time, they were only four laps off the pace. Yep. Yep. And that was a fast race too. It was, with, without that many safety cars. Oh, I mean, well. they did have a, a gun crew. It was, what, Brock Feeney, Nick Percat, and mm. Aaron Cameron. Yep. So it was a, a good car that did that driving. But uh, they've got some good steers on board this year, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. If it winds up being a little bit of attrition, that, that'll go right into their favour.
1: I'm really looking forward to seeing the KTM, um, crossbow gt2 running as well because that's something very very different um and i spoke to justin mcmillan from m motorsport who's running that car for vantage racing and he said we're going to struggle to keep darwood and probably glenwood below the invitational benchmark or above that benchmark of 206 um that that car in could go it should be GT3 pace with the amount of aero it's got, so um, that's going to be really interesting to follow as well. It's going to be a great race. Really looking Hang forward to it. Go one, on. One, did we talk about Bates, Reynolds, Waters? Oh no, we only missed. Can you miss? Can you talk about that one for a second? Oh, uh, do, do I have to? No. What more do you but say? It, it's in the conversation, isn't it? It has to be. A hundred percent. It has to be. And that's the joy of this race. So the key is going to be getting everyone to our nine. I think yep. when we get get two pit stops to go working on, you know, anywhere between 60 and 90 minutes of stint. Get everybody, all the guns in, and you'll put your pro drivers in the car for the final stint. And this 12-hour will look no different to any other Bathurst 12-hour we've seen. And you get the late race safety car or late race weather, it will be a Bathurst shootout like every other race that we've seen for the last decade at that place.
2: I know I get shouted down every time the 1000 turns around and we've got this rule that gets all the slow cars back in the lead lap. You don't need them. Who cares? You Mm. only need two cars in a race and that's how it always seems to pan out. Yep, exactly. Nothing wrong with that finish, was there? Yep. I agree.
1: So that's the Liqui Moly Bathurst 12-hour. You can catch it live this weekend on the screens of 7, Uh, be on 7, mate, Saturday and Sunday and Fox Sports. Uh, The word I'm having from 7 is they're going to be doing a lot of picture-in-picture ad breaks, so uh, US style, which would be great. So even if you're watching on free-to-air, you won't be too interrupted with the commercials. You'll still be able to see what's going on. Uh, Live stream through the Bathurst 12-hour website. Our friends at Radio Le Mans will carry it too. So, um, yeah, make sure you are tuning in. It's going to be a cracking motor race. It's a very good field. And Bathurst just does Bathurst things, and I have no doubt it will do the same. Uh, moving on, there's been a bit of other stuff going on as well, Mark, and true to form, we missed the big news last week, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect you would, anything you else. You could
2: set your watch to that, couldn't you? Yeah,
3: yeah absolutely.
1: 100%. And we're talking uh, about Walkinshaw and Reddy United and their uh,
2: defection to the Blue Oval. Yes. Who would have thought? Hell it's, hath frozen over, hasn't it? Yeah. Was the last The last
1: time a defection was handled this, I was going to say, bigly but that's not a word um generated this much chat would have been old mate
2: who was just on the show surely oh 100 i mean i don't think there's the shock and outrage of when lounge defected to ford um
1: that was pretty well done the whole it was like new year's eve you know 1201 a.m it
2: could break so yeah yeah. Yeah. um it's interesting isn't it i mean that's the world we live in I, i think the fact that holden's not a company anymore is it i mean all those dyed in the wall Holden fans, they've they've had their morning period and okay, let's get on with life. It's uh, just a race team. It's still interesting though, because clearly Walkinshaw still have a relationship with General Motors with the special vehicles side of things. So yeah. if, if there's any surprising aspects of it, it's probably that. But like John Bow, I saw him mention on Speed Cafe that Walkinshaw and Trinity United don't owe Holden anything, they don't own General Motors anything. If they're a business and if they can go out there and get a Ford deal, go and get it done. Obviously they're building the engines for the Groves at the moment and they're getting the job done there. So they yeah. seem to know what they're doing, no matter what, what it is. And um, obviously last weekend <laughs> Bobby at Wanneroo wasn't a shining light for them, but mm. uh, look, that's fine. That's good for the sport. Ford's not going to have any more cars. They're locked and loaded with the teams that they've got confirmed. Pretty tasty lineup of cars. I mean, it's not like the olden days where Fords were in the minority. They've got uh, a lot of good teams there and it's probably the General Motors stuff that's going to be a little bit thin on the ground, isn't
1: it? Yeah. And, and it begs the question as to which team steps up to fill the void of WAU as being the, the next best Holden team. So, I mean, they've won Bathurst more recently than Triple Eight have. So, yeah, who, who steps up? Like, is, is it BJR? Or is it Matt Stone? Maybe it's maybe it's that team with Triple Eight gear. It's... That's going to be a fascinating story. But I like the fact that it levels the, um, the competitive balance, I suppose, between the marks yep. as well. So it'll be very similar in numbers, uh, Ford Mustang to Chevy Camaro. Uh, big news, though, and, yeah, good stuff. And nice to see Ford continuing
2: their investment in the sport, which is tremendous. And the other one from that camp, too, is that uh, Jadna has scored a couple of wild wildcard gigs. The juice. The juice. He it was, it was a quiet achiever last year in the super two series. And I think he wound up third driving for mm. Matt White. So you know, he was up there in the podium, didn't get any wins. He's still got that stigma, at least in my mind of his performance in the one thousands where he's hit a lot of things, unfortunately. So this will be his opportunity to sort of cast that away. He's obviously a fast little operator. He'd be a good guy for the sport to have. He's got a bit of swagger and style and class about him and mm. he can talk, which is, what you wanted a new driver entering the, the sport sort of thing. So yeah, hopefully and- he can string together some results and hopefully he winds up uh, at these races with a walk and short team that's on the money. Yeah. And you just don't know which walk and you're going to get at
0: the
1: moment, which we talked about at length last week. Uh, anything else that crosses your mind before we wrap things up this week?
2: Actually also Jordan boys, he's got a couple of wild cards as well. He does. Uh, this is a, a good little steer. There's another one in there as well. Uh, um, Zach Best, Zach
1: Best, that's right for Tickford. Mm. Another team which you're not quite sure which one you're going to get either week. <laughs> Zach will be hoping he gets good Tickford, uh in the same way that the juice will be hoping he gets good Walkinshaw. Yep. I'm just sure Walkinshaw should have a good round at Winton, which means they'll go back to having a bad round at Hidden Valley. So that's not great they're based gonna, on their prior form, anyway. It's one yeah, on.
2: They're going to win Townsville, though. Yeah, yeah
1: they're, they're like some money on it. Fly Fly Workers, one week on, one week mm-hmm. off.
2: But uh yeah.
1: Uh, anyway, uh, Bathurst 12-hour this weekend. You will be on the couch.
2: Yeah, a bit of pocket care. I've just been jackpotting all the yard work uh, for the last mm. couple of weeks and there's just leaves everywhere. I've got about 12 hours to sort out the mess that is our yard. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be Hey, did you like that Miami F1 race?
1: It got, it got there in the end, didn't it? Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> ironically, it was very American in that a late race caution <laughs> brought it to life, <laughs> which I'm sure wasn't planned. Uh, yeah, it was all right. A half decent Grand Prix. Um, They need to redo the track surface, clearly, because everyone hated it. Yep. Um, And maybe that little Mickey Mouse chicane leading onto the back straight could be tweaked. But otherwise, I thought it was okay. Gee, it looked impressive. Like, it looked amazing. And I've got to say, fake Marina, I am here for you. I thought that was <laughs> tremendous. I love it. They need to they just lean into the slide, people. There are people still blowing up about it on social media. And someone said they were embarrassed. I was like, No. It's Formula 1. It's supposed to be outrageous. Albert like, Park is a man-made lake.
2: There's a yes. concrete lip on it. Like they've
1: half of Monaco's been reclaimed from the Mediterranean over the years. Like seriously, fake lake well, is the least of the
2: dramas in the world at the moment. No, it's your your chance of steering to steer into the skid. There's a lot of little dams on the inside of Mount Panorama. I Let's get Bathurst, some tinnies out there. I don't know if Bathurst needs a water feature. I think I think no, Bathurst good. Go, they're enough. already there. They're already there. You just need to put some tinnies on them. You have the nice drone shot as they come through yeah. know, over the top of the Tinnies. Look at this. Look at the marina we've got well, going on at, here at Bathurst. I'll have a chat to Kenny. Thank you. And see if we can just put a lake
1: in the back of his property on Conrad. I think, I think there already is one. There probably is. Maybe he can move it so it's alongside Conrad, just above his house. So you could have people, you know, like the people <sighs> in Miami with the stupid, um, what are they? The mermaid tail sitting by the pool. We could have that at Bathurst. Amazing. Probably yep. not in a May 12 hour when it's going to be minus 473 degrees. Actually, it's not. The weather's going to be half know, for actually you. looking all right, which is fantastic. We've um, called in some favours there by the looks of it. Uh, thank you, Mark. Shebeks will be back next week, we think, unless he's got another football player who needs to go to trial. I, I have heard rumours now that based on uh, his success in the uh, football courtroom, uh, Johnny Depp is inquiring about what? his services. Sure. So uh, Shebeki moving up in the world in the defence attorney uh realms thank you mark yeah no i can't wait till this podcast comes back as a true true crime podcast next week be fantastic we're just branching out our categories uh and thank you for listening as always to on the grid if you haven't please give it a like wherever you might be following it subscribe uh, follow at the race talk on our social media channels tell us what you like don't tell us what you don't like because we won't listen uh and we appreciate your company we'll be back with a full 12 hour debrief This time next week, whatever that time may be. Thanks for listening. This is On The Grid, and we'll see you next week.